Hello and welcome to the Magical Midlife Podcast, where you get a refreshing, uplifting and optimistic perspective on life in your 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Lindsay DeSwart, and I'm delighted that you've joined us here today. So let's jump right in. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to today's episode of The Magical Midlife. It's Lindsay here, and today I am really delighted to welcome a very special guest, a lady called Susan Summers. And Susan is a health and fitness expert and describes herself as a distance walker. Susan and I met through Facebook, and she has already introduced me to something through walking, which has enriched my summer holiday with my daughter. So I am hugely grateful and delightful to welcome Susan today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm so happy to introduce you to my downtown Toronto city. You are welcome. I'm delighted you did too. So Susan, first of all, tell us a little bit about who you are. And then we're going to get into the concept of being a distance walker, because I have been a distance runner, but a distance walker sounds a lot nicer. So I am a 76-year-old, quite fit woman in the sense that especially through the walking and through yoga and fitness, I have taken care of my body. And so now I feel very good about where I am. And I just got into fitness in my late 50s. So that sort of tells you that the first part of my life and the second part of my life. And I love sharing my story and what I've learned with other people because it's been such a journey for me. And I mean, we're going to obviously go back over this, but so what is it that you're doing now that's so different from the life before? Because you say you got into fitness in your 50s. Right. Uh, I think because of COVID, a couple of things happened. One, I really had to set up routines for myself. And one of the routines is going walking every morning with a friend of mine in the ravine behind my condo, where I just walked sporadically before that. So starting my day with the walking and making sure that I had routines in place to give me focus. So that means doing a crossword puzzle, doing some meditating, eating breakfast, you know, just having certain routines so that my day wouldn't get away with me. And really much more open to letting things come into my life and not so driven as I feel I've been in my career. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm used to going in all kinds of directions. So believe it or not, COVID actually focused me. Yeah, COVID had some very surprising results for people, didn't it? And it's and it really was not all negative. Yes, exactly, exactly. So I'm just going to go back to you saying you started exercising in your 50s. What was your turning point? What made you realize that actually getting out and doing some exercise was a good idea? Well, it was interesting because I had uh, my own public relations firm And I got a job at the YMCA at a a business center in Markham in 1980. And it was wonderful. And I was the marketing coach. And I also organized all the workshops. And with that, when I went full-time from part-time, I got two memberships to the YMCA fitness center. And that was the one on Shepherd. So I started to go. It turned out that my husband, who grew up poor in Montreal, had never really been into fitness, but he became a, a, a runner and got into marathons. And I started to walk and do some weights classes. And that really was the beginning of me saying, maybe I want to go into a race. And that was my first race it was a 5k walk race at the beaches in June of that year. So, so that's how I got into it. It was just a fluke and I got it free. So that got me going. 
That's fantastic. So for anybody that doesn't know the beaches area, can you describe the beaches? Because it's such a unique part of the city. So it's downtown Toronto's east end. And it's it's just beautiful. It's got a boardwalk. It's got a beach. It's got wonderful water. It's got great restaurants. So for me, it was really being, again, it was in nature, which started me on my spiritual journey as well. So that was my first race. But the best part of the race was I came in first in my age group. I went home after the race, had a glass of wine, fell asleep. And two weeks later, I got a pair of socks and a certificate in the mail telling me I was first in my age group. And since probably there was nobody else in my age group, (laughs) but it was enough for me. And I was hooked. And I remember that summer I signed up for two more 5Ks. And I've now done 33 races from 5K to marathons, just basically all walking, taking it little by little and one at a time. So, Holy cow, that's fantastic. Congratulations for winning that first race. I love that. Thank you. So can I ask you, because I've I've heard you say it and I find it very interesting. It's not about just the distance walking, is it? You've said you were a distance walker, but now it's more of a spiritual experience as well. Can you tell me more about that? What do you mean? Well, it's interesting because when I started, because I was competitive, I would start at the, uh, for the 5Ks. I'd start at the start line and then I tried to pass people. And so I would always rushing to get past the woman who had the pink top on. And then five minutes later, she would pass me. So what I realized was I did not have speed. So once I did a couple of these races and realized I was never going to get any faster, uh, it, it usually took me about 45 minutes to do a 5K walk race. Then I realized that my goal was just to finish uninjured and not to really look at anyone else in the race. So that was a very new thing for me. So I went from being competitive to just being in the race, to now being in nature and taking, it's interesting, I started taking photographs when I was going on all these walks in downtown Toronto, and they are actually in my new book. So I realized that I was more visual than I thought. I thought I was a writer, and now I had a whole other side of me that I had never really explored. So what, yeah, I mean, what else have you learned about yourself? Because it's very easy to go from, you know, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, going from point A to point B. And as you say, you know, you're focused, you're on the thinking about the speed, the efficiency, and something happens when we actually kind of take one step in front of the other, rather than just aiming on, on the focus of getting to the finishing point. What happens to you at that time? Well, it's interesting because what I realized is I have to do every step along the way, like the morning routine or with getting out the door. I talk to myself. And if I don't do those kinds of things, then I will skip one. And then it's a slippery slope because then I can often eliminate things or not bother with meditating or whatever. So what that's what I realized about myself, that I can't change my morning routine. And I have to make sure that I get my steps. Plus, I wear a Fitbit, which I absolutely love, which tracks my steps. And that's how I've gotten through all my races and how I track my daily distance. So that, that's an important part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about your experience? Because I know you did the virtual Camino Trail. So I'd always wanted to walk El Camino de Santiago, which is a spiritual trail through northern France and Spain. And it just, the opportunity did not present itself. You know, I I didn't want to do it for five weeks. I didn't know where I would stay along the way. So it always intrigued me. So when COVID hit, 
I was used to going into regular races. So last June, I was thinking I could, I would have ordinarily been going into the beaches 5K or some other 5Ks. And so I looked online for races, not knowing anything about the virtual races and found the Conqueror events, which is the website that I use and signed up for El Camino. So this was in June of last year, 778 kilometers. I had no idea how long it would take, how much I would do. But I started going every day. I would go out for 15,000 steps. And in the beginning, my husband actually went with me because he wasn't working at that time. And so we would just take take a different part of the city and I would go and I would walk until I had walk, finished it. And then I would come home. So that was the way I did it. But I never realized that I would do that consistently for four months. But when I got the medal, it was so incredibly exciting to get this medal for doing this and a certificate. And along the way, they planted trees for me, et cetera. So I was really hyped. And then I started doing other ones. I've now done four of them. And it's just been, it, it's really been an amazing experience. So I recommend that people do sign up for an online event or race or something that they can clock and use some tracking device and feel the satisfaction of knowing that even though it's virtual, you can complete a race. That's so cool. Now, they did do something to try and help you sort of have a bit more of an enriched experience as well, didn't they? What sort of things were they doing as you uh, along the way for you? Well, it was very funny because the first time that I got a postcard from the El Camino Trail, it was a postcard, dear Susan, uh, welcome, you're now in the town of whatever, please stop for the night, here's a great place to eat dinner, or we hope you're not too tired. So I actually felt like someone was sending me postcards, two things they did, the postcards, and then I, I also had trees planted in my name along the way as I completed certain amounts of uh, of the course. And I must add that this is not a, a, a hugely expensive venture. Like I think the, to sign up for these events, it was about $40, $35, $40. But along the way, I got the postcards. I got the, those things and I got beautiful, beautiful medals, actually nicer than the ones that I get in the in-person races. So this for me made me say, oh, well, what else is there out there that I haven't done that I would like to complete? And so it's really gotten me you know, ready, ready to do more. That sounds so cool. I'd love to meet, you know, whoever came up with such a creative way of engaging people in walking through COVID. I mean, it's just genius the way that worked. Well, he probably has, they probably have about 15 different routes now. So really things that you either have never done, but wanted to do or wanted to know more about. It's an easy way to, to get the steps and also feel like you're achieving something. Yeah, seriously. That's really cool. I'm actually going to look into that, I think. <laughs> Sounds awesome. So tell us a little bit about your journey along the way, because you said you used to have a PR company and you said you're Sagittarius. Right. So you're quite go, go, go. Where are you now? I mean, clearly you can't sit still. And that's I, I applaud that personally. But yeah, so tell us a little bit more about sort of how your journey's unfolded, because you've sat, you've clearly changed gear. It's very interesting because what I've noticed is I'm now ready to really let things come into my life. It's a, more of a play period for me. I feel like when I had my own PR firm, I had interesting clients. I was always running. I had meetings. I had I organized events. I've spoken in other countries. And so there was a lot of rushing. Mm -hmm. And somehow because of COVID and because of the El Camino, I've 
become much more focused and more able to trust. I think that's the only way to explain it. Trust that things will come into my life that I, and now what's happening is people who I've known at other points in my life are coming back into my life with all kinds of ways to collaborate. I'm going to be teaching a course online with Ryerson University, Walk for Success, where we're training a group of people online to enter their own race or to enter a 5K race. So these kinds of things, when I stopped rushing and I was able to just listen and Mm -hmm. slow down, I was able to see that there were opportunities waiting to come into me that I probably overlooked along the way. That's such a gift, isn't it? You got, But you've got to allow the space for those sorts of things, for A, for you to hear them, and B, for you to allow them in to do anything with. Yes, and even saying that, it took me a long time to do that. Oh, yeah, it's it, not easy. Know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it took me a long time to realize that I couldn't control a lot of things because of COVID. I just couldn't. So I better just get used to the idea of seeing what I could control and what could just come in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, are there any parts of that? I I mean, I call it your chapter one life, i.e. life before your walking journeys and before that, you know, that journey of trusting. Is there anything that you miss from your chapter one life? Not really. You know, it's interesting because just giving you a little bit of background, I was overweight and short as a child and, you know, the last one picked for the teams. And so I really didn't even though my father taught me how to roller skate and ice skate and those kinds of things, I was self-conscious about the way I looked mm-hmm. and started smoking at 16. You know, I, I went through all those things, smoking and diet pills. And so really for me, when I was younger, I just didn't have the confidence <clears throat> in the way I looked or in my body. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I could have really gotten into fitness until the point that I did. In that first chapter, I also managed to get divorced and raised two children. Uh, got remarried, went through menopause. So all the things that people go through. And really now I I have a lot of respect for my body and I take care of it and nurture it more than I did before. And so I'm just really enjoying seeing the fruits of what I'm, I'm doing now. I'm very aware, I'm very conscious of how lucky I am now to have the opportunity to be this healthy. I also take online yoga classes, which I never did in my life three times Mm -hmm. a week. So really, it's given me the chance to slow down, focus, and be in the moment. So I don't, I I think I I had a lot of changes in the first 50 years of my life. And so I think really, I needed to get to the second part of my life to implement the things that I could do. Absolutely. And so in doing this, and the way it's all unfolded, you found a book within yourself too. Is that right? Yes, exactly. So El Camino was something that I always wanted to walk in person, Mm -hmm. as I said. And when I found on this website that I could do it virtually, and it's 778 kilometers, which I had no idea how long it would take or what it would involve, but it just seemed a way to get me focused. So June 6th last year, I signed up for El Camino, paid the money, put my tracker in and started to walk. And it took me four months of walking every day, 15,000 steps a day. Which, by the way, since I did that, I have not walked 15,000 steps a day. But I even walk sometimes around my condo in the winter just because I needed to get the steps in until I got that certificate after four months. So that for me was a turning point that I could actually commit to something like that. That was 
you know, the only way I can describe it, a blue sky goal, like something that I just never would have done in person if someone had asked me to do it. And so here I was doing it. But I, I think I, I want to mention that I did do two seven and a half hour marathons in my 60s. And that really was interesting because the second one, there was no finish line. There was no, um, I was the last one. You know, there was no cheering crowd. It was the hot sun. And that really changed my life because I realized in spite of being out there and again, putting one foot in front of the other for seven and a half hours, I had completed this. So that for me was probably in my early 60s, my first time of seeing what my body could actually achieve more than the 5K or the 10K. And so that prepped me probably for me doing this long walk every day. I love what you've said there. There is something and I'm a huge believer in this, there is something so special in pushing yourself beyond something that you thought you could actually do and actually coming to terms with what you can do. And that's it, exactly. And so the first time I did that marathon, I said, oh, that's great. 50 people came in behind me. But it was the second one where, as I said, there was no finish line that really changed my life. I thought in spite of everything, uninjured, I I finished it. And so, yeah. That, that so that the doing El Camino was for me just it, not just but another challenge. It was something that I had no idea what it would look like at the end, but I wanted to start at the beginning. Yeah, that idea of having no finishing line I think is a lovely metaphor because it basically means that you took everybody else out of the equation and it became about you and what you could do, and me talking to myself and motivating myself and just as I said, putting one foot in front of the other. So. Same with this. I had no idea how long El Camino would take me or these other races, but I just knew that I needed to get out there and walk. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a, a cold weather walker. I don't like being outside. I don't like being cold. So I had to make sure that I was dressed. Sometimes I'd walk in, indoors in malls, you know, whatever it took, sometimes just around the apartment. But I just committed to this and said, until I finish these races, I'm going to keep walking. Yeah. It kind of takes any, um, what do they call them? Like the chicken out gates. I think we used to call them in the theme parks. It just shuts all of those options because you're so focused on what it is you're going to do. And that level of focus, I actually think is hugely empowering because you've committed to it. And therefore it's very easy to say no to distractions. Exactly. And getting back to the book, the way the book evolved was, so now I'd done the physical walking and I'd always talked about how to prepare for races, but then I realized that I was walking for mental and spiritual strength, which I had never really looked at before. So the mental part of it, for example, when my mother had Alzheimer's and I'd go out to California and I'd go to visit her, I'd go for these long walks along trails and for my for my mind, just to quiet my mind. Mm. And then the spiritual side was when I started to go into the ravines and into these beautiful neighborhoods and taking pictures. So all, all of a sudden, the book evolved from me saying I'm a physical walker who goes into races to now my story is physical, mental, and spiritual walking. So it was really mm. a huge thing for me to look at the other ways in which I walk, which I just totally ignored. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me more about spiritual walking. That intrigues me. Well, I I think when I would be out walking, I wouldn't really stop and notice things. Like I wasn't engaging all my senses. So that's what I tried to do now was really listen, look, smell, touch, be in the moment. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the only other time I can think that I was doing that was when I was preparing for those two marathons. Every Sunday when I would 
train for the marathons, I drive down to the waterfront, park my car and just walk, walk for three hours, walk for four hours alone. And I think that was the only other time that I was just into my mind and what was around me. So this was really picking up from that, those two marathons when I was out there for these long four or five hours at a time. Now I was going out and being in nature and really being there, you know, really noticing everything around me. Yeah. So that's what that, that's how I feel about the spiritual. And um, there's something called forest bathing, which mm-hmm. I talk about in the book. It's absolutely. And there's the book talks about which you can find on the Internet, 50 ways to forest bathe. So really not only being in nature, but being aware of you in nature. Right. So that, that you're that you're focused I'm not sure if it's such a great idea to go walking with headphones and, you know, music and that kind of thing for the kind of things that I'm talking about. I think it's really better just to put yourself in a space and let it soak into you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when I used to do running, because I used to do a lot of long distance running and the same thing, I wouldn't wear headphones because if I was in the gym on the um, treadmill, I'd wear headphones. But if I was out in forest, it felt too much of a gift to waste, actually, of being out there and listening to the birds and listening to what's around you. And that in itself is such a rejuvenating experience. Um, Well, this is it. And, you know, getting back to talking about the mental, one of the things that I have in the book, which I didn't even know about, is there's a big trend to walk meetings. People, instead of sitting across from each other or being together, walking and then uh walk and talk therapy a lot of therapists are now saying instead of sitting across from each other let's go for a walk and when i taught the course the walking course at ryerson downtown i found a group that does mood walks so there are these walks where a group of people just get together once a week and go out Mm -hmm. in an area right so there's so many other ways of walking as i said that, that go beyond me doing races that i think that's really what this book got me into yeah, absolutely. And breathing. I, yeah, I was never involved with breathing. I never really talked, looked at breathing, like meditations, walking meditations. So those were all new things for me. What a fantastic wake up call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. How have your friends and family received this? Do they join you? Do they think you're crazy? What do they do? Well, it's interesting. My husband goes with me on the weekend because he's still he's still working. So we'll either drive somewhere or we'll uh, take the subway and the streetcar down somewhere. My, both of my daughters are into fitness, which I'm really happy about. You know, they both run, they both have gyms uh, in their house where they go on the treadmill and they do weights and that kind of thing. And so do their kids. But my biggest thrill is my granddaughter who's 16. Now she, we took her into her first race at six and it was a beaches, a, a, a race of the beaches. And I'll never forget. My husband said to her, Lauren, I don't care whether you crawl, hike, run, walk, whatever you're going to, you, you need to do this. Right. So, cause she was not a focused kind of a kid. Right. But she crossed the finish line. And so that started her on her own fitness journey. So not only do I feel like I have impacted my own daughters, but I also see the, the next generation. And of course, and if you go to my website, my grandson is reading my book on my website. <laughs> Fantastic. That's so cool. The thing is, walking is a really easy way to get into fitness. Well, you know, it's really interesting because I was always trying to lose weight and I was always trying to firm up. And 
now with the walking, I've changed my body just because I'm walking every day. It's it's very interesting that I didn't really think about that side of it. You know, I was so obsessed with how much I weighed all the time, more or less, whatever. Now I see after a, over a year of doing it that I have totally changed my body and it's much stronger. Yeah. Just from walking, you know, so yeah. It's and really has it had an effect on your on your focus when you're like trying to focus on a project or something now? How do you find walking yes. helps you? Well, that's interesting because, again, I told you I was a multitasker. I never would finish one thing. I would just have a lot of things going at once. And now I, I not only am I focused on one thing, but I'm conscious of it and I do it. And then afterwards, I, you know, pride myself in the fact that I did it. So I actually am, am focusing and completing and then acknowledging. So that for me is new. You know, I would just be before I would just do it and go on to something else, you know, or do more than one thing at a time. So I'm trying not to multitask now. Good for you. <laughs> I love that because I think multitasking is a complete myth that sets us up for failure personally. Yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't finish one thing and I'd start another thing and then I'd get distracted. I'm trying not to get distracted. Now. I'm trying to just be in the moment. And that's what the walking did for me, right? That I, I really couldn't do anything more than put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations. I love that story. So what walks do you still want to do? Or what is it you still want to do? If you've got more books in you, more walks in you, what's on the horizon? You know, I, you know, it's interesting because I don't really want to do another book at this point. It's uh, this one combines memoir with the three things I told you. But some of the things on my list are I really want to travel more. Mm-hmm. And for a number of reasons, first of all, I want to do some walks like in England and uh, in Scotland and Ireland, I'd like to do those walks, right? Some of those beautiful walks. And I also want to speak. I want to speak more. I did a talk for International Women's Day in India. Wow. And, uh, yeah. and I'd like to do more talks and uh, in other countries, you know, where I can inspire people to walk. And then I also would like to do some retreats or some walking retreats in other places where you get a group of people together and you just try these different kinds of walks, you know, that I've talked about in my book. So really the travel is for me after COVID, the next thing that I'd like to do and book launches, you know, those kinds of things, but, um, and inspire, like I really want to inspire younger women because I said, like, I realize now that in my forties and fifties, I really had a difficult time. And I think that that's a turning point for women. And had I started earlier, what I did in my late fifties, it would have been wonderful for me, you know, if I'd found a tool like walking and, and embraced it and not been so self-conscious about my body, I think that would have been better for me. Fantastic. Okay. So because this is so much about that age that you've just talked about, what do you think you learned about yourself in that time? That sort of 50s I, age. Well, I've got to give myself credit because that was the time that I went through a lot of transitions. I, you know, in my late 40s, I stopped smoking. I started my PR firm. I got divorced. So, again, I didn't give myself credit for those things when I was going through them because it was just those were things I was doing. Right. But I think we just have to be more gentle with ourselves. Right. We really have to say. Just. Just embrace ourselves. You know, we have to really uh, take care of your body as much as you can. Be, don't be so critical of yourself mm. and definitely don't be so critical of your body because I think that's what women really do. They, they beat up on themselves in, 
you know, I gained a pound, I lost a pound, I ate that, I didn't eat that. And I was, that was me. So that's what I think I would change is just being more forgiving and more accepting of myself. Mm. And in your, um, the lessons you've learned about yourself with your walking and being more forgiving and trusting that things will come into your life, how has that changed your relationships? Or has it? Well, yeah, it's interesting because because of the kind of work I did, the marketing work that I did, I was always pushing to get new clients, pushing to get new projects, you know, wanting to be out there networking. I mean, that was my life. And now, especially with Facebook, I found just what you said, like just being on Facebook and posting either pictures of where I've been or some some information about what I plan to do or uh, questions for other people. Not only have I met incredible new people, but I can't tell you between Facebook and LinkedIn, how many people I've reconnected with. And so I think that's what's really happened to me. It's very interesting that online has reconnected me with people that I worked with at the Alzheimer's Society who are now in their 40s and 50s or maybe, yeah, maybe 50, who I had totally lost touch with and who I didn't want to lose touch with, but I moved on, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what's happened to me with the online community is I now have met new people and had new ideas for things that I could do in the future and inspired other people and have had other people inspiring me. So, yeah, so it, it's, it's just another part of my journey. Fantastic. I mean, I've reconnected with old school friends and things through COVID and online and because people had time that they don't normally have. Well, this is it. Exactly. Exactly. And zoom meetings. I mean, you know, I have to say, I, I, I've, I, I now have it down pat, right? I've got the, the backgrounds and the lighting and everything because Zoom meetings are a wonderful opportunity to communicate other than on the phone yeah. to, to really interact with people. So, you know, and I also believe in women's networking groups. So again, I'm hoping to get invited or become part of more women's networking groups, maybe even with those younger women that you're talking about, the ones in their 40s and 50s, right? Because I feel like they... I have a lot of respect for what they're doing and all the things they have on their plate. Talk about multitasking, but also I feel like I could contribute something to them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I tell you what, after this, if, because I've done a lot of networking up here um, where I am, if there's anybody I can connect you with, I will give thought to that and send them over to you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. So how can people find you? How can they see your, um, your posts that you're now doing, because that's exactly how I found you. And that's exactly how I had a fantastic day out with my daughter on Friday, based on some of the things that you posted about walking in the city of Toronto. Well, they can join my Facebook community, or I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. And uh, also, they can find my website, my, my website, which I love, which is powersourceforwomen.com. And through the website, they can learn a lot more about me and what I'm offering. And also they can buy my book. My book's also, there's a Kindle version that's available as well. So yeah, so those are some of the ways. Or email me, susan at susansummers.ca. Fantastic. Okay, and it's summers as in S-O-M-M-E-R-S. M-E-R-S.ca, yeah. I would love to hear from some of the people who are listening to this and their response. Yes, absolutely. So yes, please do reach out to Susan. That would be fantastic because I truly believe in the power of walking. And I love that it has been such a journey for you because with 
the work that I do, I'm very much about bringing the physical aspect into transformation because we learn so much, as you've said, we learn so much about what we can do, about our bodies, about self-acceptance, about trust. So everything you said, Susan, I totally support and agree with. Well, you know, I used to dismiss walking. I used to think that it was just a place, a, a way to get from point A to point B, right? And so I tried running and I couldn't run because my body wasn't built for that, right? So it made me go back to the walking. And now I see how incredible it is in so many ways, you know, and it's, you don't need equipment. You just literally walk out the door, put on a pair of shoes and, you know, it's just an easy cost-effective way to, for your mind, body and spirit, really. Yeah. And also a great way to connect with people. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like I might at some point do some walking tours of downtown Toronto because mm -hmm. to show people some of those places, like you said, places that I that I know that I found, you know, like a graffiti. There's incredible graffiti downtown. And people keep saying, where did you find that? Where was that? So, you know, at some point I can see myself doing those kinds of things as well. Fantastic. I'm going to keep a lookout because that would be a great way because I do not know Toronto in the way I would like to. Right. Well, I lived in Thornhill for 20 years, so. <laughs> okay, so Toronto, yeah, a nice change from that. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, Susan, I'm going to wind it up there. Is there any final message that you've got for people um, about starting their journey walking? Well, you know, I think it's really just one step at a time. I think you just, just start, you know, as I said, uh, get some kind of tracking thing and start with, open the door and walk out. So walk out for 30 minutes, walk out for 20 minutes, you know, and then walk again a couple of days later and then find a walking group and walk with other people. Sometimes what people do is they walk and then they go for coffee somewhere. So whatever would motivate you to get out and move, that's what I think it's about. You know, just find, find your, find your passion, find, find what's going to work for you. Yeah, absolutely. Susan, it's been so joyful talking with you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I just loved it. Oh, awesome. Excellent. So just to close today, as I say, please go and check out Susan's Facebook page, her group, and her website. And just remind me the name of your website, Susan. Powersourceforwomen.com. Okay, powersourceforwomen.com. Awesome. And while you're checking out websites, please take a look at soulfuladventureliving.com, which is our website, and you can get access to other podcast episodes on there too. Please share this episode, this podcast, with people who are also in their magical midlife who you might think will benefit from this and will enjoy it. And keep coming back for more episodes and for more lovely guests just like Susan. And thank you for this podcast and the other podcasts which I've listened to, which are wonderful. Oh, thanks so much, Susan. It's been joyful. Okay, I will see you next episode. And um, as I say, go and check out Susan's stuff. And thanks again for listening. Thank you.